All right, y'all, I'm here to uh, lead y'all in prayer before I give a brief testimony. I'm going to try not to make it all day, all night, all right? All right, let's go to prayer. Let's go in prayer, folks. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we lift your holy name. We thank you for this amazing worship, Lord. We thank you for this beautiful house that you have blessed us with your presence, Lord. We ask your spirit to fill each and every one of us to give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. That you would break the chains that we have in our hearts, Lord, if you haven't already done it. Lord, we ask you, if there's anyone in here that hasn't received you into their hearts, that they would just do that today, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to anoint these young men with strong testimonies uh, that can reach somebody uh, that might need to hear it, Lord. And Lord, we want to lift you up and praise you and your son, Lord, for dying for our sins, Lord, and giving us the chance and the freedom to believe in you trust in you with all of our hearts and souls and be saved sinners and blood-bought members of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so I'm going to uh, start out with my favorite verse of the Bible. And hey, guys, my name's Johnny. <laughs> I'm a member of the New Life Ranch. I'm a strong believer of Jesus Christ. All right, so uh, I love this, uh, the, the header of this uh, little stanza here in my, in my chapter of Luke, which is currently my favorite chapter in the Bible. I'm pretty new in this Bible, but it's definitely the, um, the, the best subject I've ever found in my life. Uh, math, social studies, history is fun, but I mean the rest of the stuff, it's nothing in compared to what this Bible has done for me in my heart. So uh, something you can believe in your heart, you know, you can truly excel and learn from it. So, uh, like I said, the, the, the header is the true cost of discipleship. And this is Luke 9, 23 through, through 27, if you want to turn with me. Like I like to say, say amen if you're there. <clears throat> then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. So what spoke to me the most of this was the imagery in this paragraph of how God is explaining to us that if you could explain, I mean, if I could explain to you, you know, the pain that, caught, that that Christ felt on that cross, I wouldn't be able to, uh, not, not in every word that we have in English. So uh, that really um, hits me in the heart when I think about, you know, if I had to bear that, that pain, if I had to bear that suffering, would I, would I be able to do that? Would I want to do that? Would I feel a, a personal will to, to sacrifice myself for every sinner in this world? Um, you know, and, and you know, I, I wouldn't. You know, I'm human. I would not be able to do something like that. But we had a perfect son of God to die for our sins. And if there was anything that I could do give back a fraction of my life to him. It would be to carry my own cross daily 
and admit when I'm wrong, admit when I've lied, admit when I've cheated, you know, confess my sins. That's a big part of my life, um, and that's a good way to, uh, to move on from things, uh, and that's uh, how I've found true repentance is uh, confession. Um, it's a good way to move on from things. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to start off like that because uh, this, is, this is how I'm living now. I'm living uh, with the goal, uh, intending to bear my own cross daily. Um, my name is Jonathan Maitland, and I'm the son of David Maitland. Uh, David Maitland, he, he's had a pretty hard life, uh, so his goal was you know, for his two sons not to have to live that hard life. As a young man, when I was about 14 or 15, we're going to skip a pretty, pretty big chunk of my life because we'd be here all day and all night, like I said. But, um, you know, I've only lived 23 years, so a lot of people would think, oh, you know, you don't even have a lot to talk about. But I do. So uh, at 14, I really started uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd, even though I had been going to church since I was seven um, religiously, and I was actually a member, a baptized member of my church. And I, I had... I had found that I thought that I was saved, you know, and uh, I, I was saved, but I didn't have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't have a true relationship with my Heavenly Father, and that's where I was going wrong. Um, I went to India on a missions trip with my family, go back a little while to when I was about 12 or 13. Uh, we went out to, uh, to help build an orphanage in Manipur, India. And there I had found my salvation is what I had perceived. Uh, I was in the, uh, in the boys' home, and I had begged my parents to let me sleep in the boys' home with these young men because I just wanted to get to know them. I mean, I couldn't even speak their language, but I'm telling you what, taught them how to play football. Um, you know, we, we played these, you know, games that they knew, uh, and I actually got to speak a little bit about Christ, uh, what, what little I knew. So um, I was sitting there, and they had these bunk beds with two men per bed, two young men per bed, uh, and uh, you know, I, everything was real when I was in there. Uh, there was nobody around me, no, no mom, no dad, no brother, no sister. It was just me and these young men, you know, that were suffering, you know, from real world, third world problems, hunger, you know, um, disease, um, and you know, we had these mosquito nets over the beds, and right when they laid that mosquito net over, I, I felt the presence of the Lord on me, and I felt, you know, different. I felt like, wow, there is a difference in me right now. There's, I, I'm changed. There's no way that I could walk away from this and not get something from it, and what I got from it is that I'm blessed with not only God in my life and, and his holy angels above me making sure that I'm still alive. For one, because I mean, India was crazy. I'm not even getting into that. But uh, anyways, that's where I thought I found my, my true salvation. Which later on, I ended up understanding how to have a perfect relationship with Jesus Christ in my own eyes. And, and that perfection isn't saying that I don't sin. That perfection is being able to be forgiven and being able to repent of my sins. So basically, uh, 14 years old, I started hanging out with the wrong crowd because my parents had told me this is when it started. You know, we don't like the people you're hanging out with. We're going to change that for you. You can just hang out with those guys that you're hanging out with in church, you know. Those guys are awesome. And I was like, yeah, those guys are awesome, but I want to go over here. I want to I do bad stuff, you know. Uh, I wanted to, I just wanted to be a bad kid. So, uh, so I did that. I, I found my goal. Um, 
ended up smoking smoking weed, and that was my thing. Uh, and then I ended up drinking. It was never a problem for me when I was young. Um, but, you know, it was never a problem. Here I am, 14, drinking liquor. You know, that's a problem. Uh, and as a young man, it's hard to really admit that that's a problem because everybody's doing it. Everybody. Everybody that I surrounded myself with. And that is the true bulk of this, is that the people I had surrounded myself with were completely negative, which brought me down. So uh, something my dad has taught me about this ranch, because my dad is a graduate. David Maitland is a graduate of New Life Ranch. And uh, now he is a walking, talking testimony. <laughs> you can't shake his hand and look him in the eyes without him telling you what Jesus has done for his life. Um, so basically, you know, I wanted to do everything he told me not to do except for the really hardcore stuff. Because, you know, there was no harm in doing these little things. They weren't going to hurt me. Fast forward, 16, I ran away from my, my dad and my stepmom, who is my mother. Uh, I consider her my mom because uh, she has cared for me more than anybody has in this world other than Jesus in this book right here. Um, there's nobody else that has a, a true will uh, over me and above me, you know, that I can really... Now I can relate to. She said, you won't understand how awesome, awesome our relationship is until you're about 30 years old. <laughs> Even though I mean to you all the time and, and I yell at you, you won't understand how, how truly rewarding this is until you're about 30. I'm 23 now, and I'm understanding it perfectly, Mom. <laughs> so basically, um, she isn't here right now. They, they couldn't make it. They're at their church, but uh, they're at my church. But uh, anyways... Um, Praise the Lord for having my mom in our lives because my dad went through some rough stuff in his life too. When I ran away, the whole family kind of broke apart. I ran away to Florida to live with my mom, my, my biological mom. And, uh, you know, I wanted liberty. I wanted freedom. I wanted to be able to hang out with the people that I wanted to hang out with. And I didn't want anybody to tell me anything about anything because I knew everything, you know. And that's where my relationship with God was just, you know, nothing. I wasn't paying attention to him even though he was still there with me. And uh, that's the strongest part of this testimony, is the fact that God's presence stays with you. Whenever you even ignore it, he's still with you. Um, so anyways, I had ignored his presence, like I said. Ended up uh, having to work a job while I was in high school, so that took out football. While well, football was a pretty strong passion for me when I was in high school. Uh, and, I, and I was excelling, you know. Um, however... Uh, came down to it when I had to transfer schools. This was my fourth high school. The coach had told me, John, um, I can't have you work a job and play football because you're not dedicated enough. I'm going to cut you. And, you know, I was a starter. You know, I, I got cut because I had a job. So that's when I thought I had became a man uh, later on that year. Uh, and I was gravely wrong. So uh, anyways, uh, I ended up finding a job in the bar with my biological mom who, uh, you know, she was a bartender, so I became a bar back naturally. You know, you want to follow what your, your parents have done, which in my true heart since third grade, I wanted to become a minister. I wanted to be, uh, you know, literally when I was in third grade career day, I, I dressed up in a suit, brought my Bible to school. Um, and, you know, um, since uh, to this day right now, I still want to be, my, my goal is to become a chaplain in the military uh, because I, we need more Jesus Christ in, in those young men and women's lives that are fighting for us right now. Uh, and I can tell because my younger brother, you know, he, he's a Marine, and uh, I can tell that there, there needs to be a little bit more Christ out there. 
you can just see it. Um, but at any rate, um, I was uh, struggling with sin, horrible sin, um, to me. You know, to other people, it wouldn't be a lot. But uh, this, all this uh, running away and stuff, you know, you think, oh, I, I'm talking to my dad every day, you know, you know, and have a perfect relationship with my family. No, that was cut. I hadn't spoke to my parents, my true parents, for six years on this escapade. Or my younger brother, who was at boarding school at this time. Um, at any rate, I ended up trying cocaine for the first time uh, about three years into my barbacking escapade. And uh, ever since then, it was pretty much hit the ground running. Uh, when I drank, there was no control in it, even though it's natural for everybody to drink in a bar, right? For me, it was natural, but I drank before I went to the bar. I drank in the morning sometimes before I went to the bar. I was ready to get to the bar when I woke up, practically, as a young man with a fake ID. <laughs> um, so uh, that, that pretty much started my alcoholism, and I would never admit that I was an alcoholic. It just wasn't in my head, you know, because I was a pothead, and I thought that was cool. You know, um, now what I think is cool is being a Christian, being a strong Christian. Uh, there's, even though sometimes I may not always be the strongest Christian, my goal now is to be a strong Christian man. And I think that that's the coolest thing I've ever found in my life. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm not going to get into the gory details, but I'm just letting you guys know that I've had an addictive past. Uh, and I, I have had some run-ins with the law. Uh, thank God I don't have any, any felonies, even though I have a pending felony in Florida. That will be removed off of my record so I can serve our country. Um, and that, I think that's one of the biggest testimonies I have here is the fact that I have got I've one more test and I'll have my GED. All I'll have to do is my math test and that'll be on Tuesday. And hopefully I pass and get my GED. Uh, and that's how I plan to go to Liberty University, which my mom already has the paperwork ready for me <laughs> um, in January for the first semester. So, uh, you know, uh, four months ago, you couldn't have told me where I would be today. You couldn't have told me any of this. Four months ago, you know. Four months now is going by a lot slower when you're sober, and you know you're you're glorifying God every day. You know you read your Word, and uh, my favorite thing about this Word that my dad has taught me recently is that you don't just study the Word, you don't just read the Word, you live the Word, and that's what I'm trying to do. When I can read a little paragraph, if I could just act like that for a whole day, I think I'd be okay. So um, basically. Um, like I said, you know, addictive past. I end up ha having a girl, uh, a girlfriend that has a child. Um, this is pretty fast. For this is uh, hitting the fast forward button a lot, but uh, this is where I was in Myrtle Beach. I had found a girl, you know, because I was down in my feelings. Uh, it was really a big struggle for me not having my father in my life. Biggest struggle in my life, honestly, um, other than not having God. Uh, not me having God around me like I, I could. Um, you know, I, I always acknowledged God, but, you know, I never thought about living for God. So, um, long story short, two years of that horrible relationship, um, finding out to talk to my dad for the first time in five years that what I was doing was trying to replace a feeling that I had with him, with that little boy. And I was doing a pretty good job to me, you know. I was, ra I was raising him. You know, taught him how to, taught him how to talk, taught him how to walk, taught him how to do this and that and the other. You know, uh, but that there's no replacing a father and a son's relationship. 
um, and I had been ignoring my family's relationship. And the other uh, meat and potatoes part of this testimony is the fact that Jesus Christ has helped me to restore my relationship with my family. Um, and this, this program here has not only given me a family to do it with, but um, basically, uh, you know, uh, having my mom and dad now uh, as my brother and sister of Christ has just made me skyrocket in, in my faith. Uh, so every day now, I aim to live to please God in everything I do. Um, I don't plan on doing anything uh, as far as drugs or alcohol goes because I know that that would be completely detrimental to what I've been working on. Um, and I just want to uh, let you guys know that uh, the fact that this program has worked for my father is the reason that I'm here in the first place because it took about an hour-long conversation to get me to go uh, from both my parents individually. Uh, but when my dad gave his testimony what Christ has done in his life and what this program has done for him, you know, I, I, really, I really had a strong belief that this would be the right decision for me. So I'm here right now four months into a 12-month year that I never paid attention to to focus on me and my relationship with my Heavenly Father. My name is Johnny, and I'm a strong advocate for this program, probably one of the strongest ones here because I really want it to work me. I'm not going to work the program. Uh, and uh, hopefully one day uh, I can look back with some of these guys out here and, uh, and truly, uh, truly accept what God has done in my life and be able to move on. Before I go, because I've probably taken up too much time already, <laughs> at least it isn't all day and all night, I want to leave you with a verse. I have this beautiful book that my parents have bought me for my birthday. This is the best gift I've ever been given, a Bible with my name on it. So this is going to be Proverbs 15, and uh, I would read the whole chapter, but we're just going to do chapter 5 through 6. All right. <clears throat> a fool despises his father's instruction. That was me. But he who receives correction is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked... There's trouble. I'm going to read seven. <laughs> the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. And that's all. Thank you, guys. Fire. Thank you, Johnny. I love you, man. I tell you, I'd love to have a book with my name on it, but I'm looking forward to the day I can see a book with my name in it. All right. A little nervous, guys. Good thing I brought an outline. Um, wanted to uh, just uh, try with a, a, a little icebreaker here. Um, walked into your restaurant this morning and was immediately greeted. Uh, Jim, thank you for being so nice to me this morning. And asked me how my day was going. I told him my day is going great. And he goes, yeah, it sounds like it, the way you've been whistling. And I get two things out of that. And the first is the whistling wasn't in my head like I thought, so I need to work on that. And the second was... Yeah, my, my life is pretty good. My, my day is going pretty well, considering, and I'm about to tell you why my day is so much better. Um, my name is Dyer, and I stand here before you guys completely broken, completely defeated. And I stand before you to say thank God for that, because that is what it took 
for me to become obedient, even though I still struggle, Scott, and to fully surrender. I don't have the story that a lot of addicts have, that a lot of people would expect an addict to have. I come from a great home. I have two very loving parents, um, college-educated parents still together today. Uh, I got to go to college. Go Hokies. Any other Hokies? Oh, okay, thank you. Um, I, I, I was a college athlete, so I got to travel a lot. I was given just about every, every opportunity that someone from, from like, not poor, not wealthy, but right there at a good me- a medium. I uh, met a beautiful woman, got married, uh, found a great job as a wealth manager in D.C., graduated, went up there. We had two kids. Uh, everything was going great. This is not the prelude to an addictive life that crashes before you. So let's fast forward. So that, that's where I was. Let's fast forward to where I went. 2004, things, you know, my family and I, we relocate to Oregon. Um, everything hits the fan. Uh, economy falls apart. Uh, I, I lose sight of, of why I'm, I'm living. I, I lose sight of everything. My wife becomes angry. My mother-in-law moves in. Um, I cannot find anything to, to fix what's going on. Uh, my plan is falling apart, completely falling apart. 2006, I am sitting on the, the back steps of the courthouse, hysterically sobbing as my divorce papers are being finalized. Um, I'm losing contact with my kids, and all I can do to think is, is, is to go drink. My plan is to go in and drink this away. Um, it was absolutely devastating. I, I stand before you unable. I haven't spoken to my kids in almost five years because of this, this problem. Um, this quickly led into depression. Uh, something I was never raised to deal with. This, again, led into anxiety, and I mean crippling anxiety, shaking, going to the hospital where I can't breathe anxiety. Uh, I've never been told how to deal with this. Um, Ultimately, uh, finding myself sitting on the toilet of a McDonald's bathroom, drinking and arguing with God, and that's not the crazy part. The crazy part is I thought I was going to win this argument. But... So I'm arguing with God. I have no direction. My plan is not working. Where am I going with this? And finally, I find myself laying in my bed after a good night of drinking and and begging God, I'm done. I quit. I can't take any more. I'm afraid to do it myself. Please, God, please, Jesus, just take me. Take me now. I'm done. He doesn't do this for me. He, He lets me fall, and he picks me back up. And he lets me fall, and he picks me back up. He will not let me go. So then I find this in Ephesians, and it's one of my favorite passages. This is Ephesians 5, 12 through 16. It is shameful to even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So while I lay there begging for death, completely unaware of the fact that I'm already dead. I am spiritually dead, and you cannot kill what's already dead. So I'm living in Missouri now, drinking myself to death. We'll fast forward to me waking up in a hospital after I had drank myself into aspiration pneumonia. For those of you who do not know what this is, I had drank myself to a point where I was getting so violently ill that in order to breathe, I was sucking in my own vomit into my lungs, which gave me a lung infection. Um... My God moment was that I had enough wherewithal to call 911, crawl to my apartment door, and unlock the door so the EMT can get into the door. I woke up in the hospital, and 
My mother had her own God moment. This is around Christmas of 2016. She had called my office to find out, uh, to verify my address. She wanted to mail me a Christmas present. The office says we have not seen Dyer in three days. So she calls my pastor in Missouri. Well, I haven't seen Dyer at service in two weeks. So they call my property manager, and he informs them that, well, I saw him going away in an ambulance a few days ago. So my mother, which was the perfect blend of really, really scared and really, really angry, not a place you'd like to see her, calls every hospital in southwest Missouri looking for me, finally finds me, and this is, this is her God moment that she found me in such a condition and gives me three options. I can stay in Missouri and go to this program, or I can go to this second program, which is somewhere else. It was not a desirable program. Or I can come home to Virginia and be part of the new life for Youth Ranch. Well, quickly, I chose this program because I'm in the middle of nowhere with no friends, no family. Um, I came out here expecting... I'm going to come out here, I'm going to do a 12-month program, I'm going to do the paperwork, you know, do what it needs. I have no desire whatsoever to make friends. I'm not out here except just to work on me. Unfortunately, I meet guys like this, even you, Scott, and you, Pastor. And I love each and every one of them. Uh, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. Now, imagine, if you will, it is a 118-acre ranch with anywhere from 30 to 50 attics. So, yes, it does resemble an MTV reality show every now and then. But... There is a stillness in that property. You walk onto the property and the stillness and a peace comes over me. And that's where I was able to be afforded the opportunity to get into my word, to study it, to share it with brothers, to come up here and speak with people like you, to go out on campaigns during the weekend and minister to people. This is stuff that I was never trained to do, stuff I never thought I'd be able to do. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, the, the compulsion to drink, the depression, the anxiety... We haven't spoken in a long time. And guys, I'm, I'm here to tell you that this ranch is the reason for that. Jesus Christ is the reason that I'm standing here for that. My name is Dyer, guys, and I stand before you broken and defeated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Dyer. What's up, guys? I'm Ryan. Um... Let's see, I'm 35, and when I got to this ranch, I was spiritually dead, defeated, wanting to die. I, I wanted to die. Um, I came two days after Christmas. I had spent Christmas completely alone, though I have three children um, and and friends or that I thought were my friends. You know, I just, I was alone. I had isolated myself to the point where... Nothing mattered. Um, and I got there. It took me a long time to get there. Um, growing up, I came from a family where having fun, you know, was was glorified. You know, my, my mom, my uncles, you know, even my grandparents in their past, you know, they drinking and smoking weed and getting high was acceptable. So, of course, I fell in line. And um, with my, I mean, I was doing coke with my uncle by the time I was 14. Um, we were having fun, you know, I was, um, you know, and then that continued on all the way through high school. Um, I didn't, I'm an, I'm an intelligent person. I know that, but I didn't finish high school because partying and getting high was way more important. Um, and having fun, you know, I was drinking to the point where I passed out and got my eyebrows shaved off fun, right? You know, it's tons of fun. I, um, 
You know, I went to concerts, spent money on all these concerts and don't remember any of them and just having so much fun, right? It was just tons of fun. I, um, you know, and that was my youth. And then I managed, I did, my grandparents did raise me well. My grandfather put a very hard, strong work ethic in me. And so despite all of my challenges coming up, I was actually pretty successful. I started my own business. Um, I met a great woman. Um, we had three children together. I was active in the church because, um, you know, my grandmother did bring me up in the church, and I kind of paid attention a little bit. And so I knew that that was important, and I wanted to bring my children up in the church. So, um, And while I was involved in the church, God was blessing me. And, you know, my, my business uh, prospered. I, I had good, clean friendships. And so I thought I had this, you know. I'm, look at all the great things I'm doing, you know. Um, and then I, I fell and hurt my leg. And it's funny, I work off of a ladder my entire adult life. And then I'm cleaning my mother-in-law's gutters and fall and break my leg and get all jacked up and have to go to the hospital, and then they put me on painkillers, which is a pretty typical story all the way across the board. People hurt themselves. They get on painkillers. They really like the painkillers, and then then you're buying the painkillers on the street, and the painkillers are expensive, and my problem was I had the money for them, so I was just buying them, you know, and just having fun. And then that got expensive, so it turned into heroin. Just having fun. You know, and then I would disappear from home for days on end because I've turned my eyes from God. Because I'm, you know, shame. Well, that will cause you to turn your eyes from God every time. And that cost me a marriage because I would disappear, you know, because I'm out. I, I want my freedom, you know. When I met you, we, we used to do stuff together, and now you want to do something crazy like settle down and raise a family? What is wrong with you? Because I wanted to have fun. Um, so then I, I lose my family. Um, so I float around for a couple of years, just, you know, steadily getting more and more lost, more and more shame, more and more defeated. Right up until this past Christmas, where I found myself alone in my bed, asking God to take me away from this place, because I am poison to everybody that I've ever cared about. Don't get me wrong, I've never hurt anybody. I never set out to hurt anybody. You know, I, I loved my wife. I loved my children. I loved my family. I loved all the people that I hurt over and over and over again. The people that tried to help me, I hurt them over and over and over again. And as bad as it is, as it is, and as bad as it sounds, it's the same story all over the place. I know that I'm, I mean, I'm, this is terrible, but it's typical. I go out for the, for the ministry and I campaign to raise donations so that we can keep this thing going, and I talk to people, and it's the same story everywhere, you know. And that's just, and it's, and I know it, I lived it, it's bad, it's so bad. But there's so many more just like me, and that's crazy, I mean, People, the devil has taken control of this place, and and I believe that 100%, and it's obvious. If you look everywhere, the things that are happening in our schools to our children, you know, just things that have become commonplace for us is terrible. And 
So, then, so I knew I needed to get help. And so I reached out a friend of mine who had gotten off of heroin eight, eight, eight to ten years ago. I said, I need help. You know, I text her, I need help. So she sent me to the program that she, the Richmond Outreach Center. That's where she got clean. Well, they were full. We can't, we can't do anything for you. So I was talking to a pastor, and the pastor called up uh, New Life for Youth. So can you guys take him? Absolutely. But on the way into the church to get that help, I hadn't been able to find any drugs for like a day or two. I'm, sta- I'm, I'm reaching out for the front door, and my phone rings, and it's the drug dealer. I'm good. Come on, I got you. On, devil on the doorstep of the church. I mean, if this is not divine intervention, I don't know what is, because then, you know, there's... There's no room in that program, but God found a way for me to get into somewhere where he can still work in my heart because he knows me. Like I said, I had that relationship with Christ, and God does not forget his children. And the first, one of the first things that really spoke to me when I got into the program was Psalm 3, where it says, How many rise against me? How many say of me that he cannot do this? But the Lord is a shield around me. I rise in the morning because he sustains me, and I have to live by that for the rest of my life. He has got to be my shield. I've got to, you know, I've got to fight, and this place has taught me how to do that. And I just, I just thank God every single day that I wake up, especially this time of year, guys. It's so pretty outside, you know, and you learn to really open your eyes. You know, you unveil your eyes, and you're able to see again because... Living in addiction is a dark, terrible place where you lose focus on everything. You're walking around like this everywhere. And now I have fun. I've got brothers I have fun with. We laugh. We're, we act like idiots together. But we're clean. We're sober. And we know how to do this now without having to put drugs in our system or drink alcohol. Like it, it, We're retraining ourselves. And, um, you know, I just I give all glory to God. And I'm able to do that today through New Life for Youth. And I really, really thank you guys for having me up here today. And I want to introduce uh, a man that's got a pretty tough job because he deals with a lot of knuckleheads. He's our pastor and our director, Jason Sweezy. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I, I really appreciate you guys allowing us to come out here today. What a blessing. Uh, I know we only got a short amount of time, but it, you know, I want to do my job and explain a little bit about the ranch and, and what we do. But before we do that, I just really want to thank um, Pastor Gary, the staff, and you guys for letting us come out, opening up your church. Um, I love Beaver Dam. We've been here 10 years. I, I remember the first time I think I met Pastor Gary. Your son was about that big. You were at New Life um, Victory um, Celebration, and... Um, and, of course, I think back at how long we've known each other about our relationship with you guys, and we're just so grateful to be a part of that. Um, I love it the fact that in the middle of nowhere we have this church that's such an integral part of um, the community. Amen. And it's not about the sanctuary. It's important in here, but it's about the outreach. And you guys have got um, the thrift store. You've got the um, food bank and all the other stuff that you guys are doing. I know um, it's great. And, of course, I have to give a shout-out to um, Beaverdam Christian. My, my son Lucas goes there, and uh, we're, we're just so grateful and happy for, for that. I, I, well, we prayed uh, to be able to come to a, a place that our son can be brought up 
and the things of God, and, and it was just opened the door open for us to be able to come here. And um, it's such a, a, a great thing. I, I was um, in, in McDonald's the other day, and, and Lucas wanted to pray, and, and I just you know cried a little bit when I heard him pray and just give God the glory. So we thank you guys for that as well. Um, really quick, I'm going to talk about um, you know some of the, the the part of the program that's that's important. I, I, we're here. We're going to be here afterwards. The guys are going to need it back to be able to talk more about. It if you have questions, um, we're here because we want to um, share about what God's doing. And, and you heard these wonderful testimonies that happened. But a little bit about um, New Life for Youth. It's just not about the ranch. We have um, we also have two other men's home in Richmond. Um, we also have a women's home. And we have a Mercy Moms Home. We're a 12- to 18-month discipleship program, and we take people in with life-controlling issues and, and try to give them a relationship with Christ. Amen. Um, and and the, the, the goal with this is to be able to develop a relationship. I mean, ultimately, that's the problem is that we, we come into uh, the world and don't have a relationship with Christ. Amen. And, and so we try to teach how to have a relationship with Jesus first, and then that pours over into the community and um, and to our families, amen. We are not a drug rehab. We are a discipleship program, amen. So we're not like other programs. Um, we're not 12-step. We have one step, and that step is salvation, amen. We believe that Jesus Christ can fix it. Um, and we're not treatment where you have to keep going back. We, we believe in deliverance. We believe that you come to a point that you don't have to keep getting uh, treatment. You don't have to keep going back. There, there is a cure, amen. And um, it's very cool because almost everybody that works at New Life uh, has been through addiction. Amen. We've got um, Scott as a staff member. My wife, Jody, it's been a miracle with, with what God's done in our lives. We've been there. I've been there 10 years, 11 years, 11 years sober. And uh, it's, life isn't easy with the Christian you know, lifestyle, but it, it's abundant. Amen. And so we have a very abundant life. And, and um, that's my new baby, Leah. Amen. Over there. And, of course, we got Lucas and Leah. I'm 48 years old. Amen. So it's a young man's game. Y'all pray for me. Um, the, the scripture that Joel, uh, in Joel that says, God restores what the locusts have eaten is truly what he's done in my life. Amen. And, and whew, not a day goes by that I'm not grateful for that. Amen. Um, and, and that's what we try to do. We really try to have that restoration. Um, I'm going to skip over a lot of um, what I had to say uh, about that, but I just want to talk a little bit. Um, briefly about one of the things that really happens at New Life. There's a scripture, I mean, there's a quote that C.S. Lewis has that we all have a hole that's shaped like God that only God can fill. Amen? And, and I love that song that we heard before, um, and it talked about that hole and that thing that's missing. Um, and the thing with addicts, you hear that we come into um, a state where we'll say, well, we're searching for something, or we're trying to fill this, this void in our lives with something. And, and almost everybody that comes into the program says the same thing. We, we have this void and we have this need. And, and so our job is to really put God first in that, in that, that hole. Amen? Um, one of the scriptures that I've been reading recently to the guys is in Haggai. Um, and Haggai is a story of a, a prophet, a minor prophet. He's uh, a small book, not minor prophet. But he, he, was, um, he was a prophet that talked about, uh, it, it prophesied to the Jews and at the time of Haggai, what was going on is that um, they, the Jews were in exile, um, and Nebuchadnezzar had taken them uh, away. They had destroyed the temple. There were 70 years that were away. And um, it, it, uh, somebody, that one of the leaderships, allowed them to go back um, to build the temple. 
and they didn't do it. They, they, they had some opposition. And the, the prophet said this. Um, Haggai said, now this is what the Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. But put on your clothes, but not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Amen? Which sounds like all of us. We're never satisfied. And the problem with the Jews was that they had a task at hand, and that was to put on the temple first and build the temple. But they started building their own stuff. And that's what a lot of us do in our lives is that we end up putting um, our needs and our things first. You know, God owns everything. This is his footstool. But all he wants from us is to put him first. And so that's what we um, try to teach at New Life is to be able to put God first. It is about priorities. Amen. Um, the, the second thing that we uh, talk about, my favorite proverb is Proverb 29:18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Um, I love that. And, and that's one of the things that we come into that we have that lack of vision at New Life. When the guys come in, we have a lack of vision. We have a lack of purpose. And one of the things that we instill into that is a direction um, and a purpose. And, and um, you know, we, we want to cast that vision into their lives so they know what they're supposed to be doing. Amen? Um, and the, uh, the final thing that we, we try to do at New Life um, centers around 2 Corinthians 5.17, which when you pull into the ranch is the scripture that, um, that we have. And it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre- creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen? And that's really what it's all about, you know, becoming that new creature in Christ. And, and, and so at New Life, it really isn't about um, being a drug rehab. It's about becoming a new creature. Um, we can't drive uh, a car and look in the rearview mirror. We, we focus on the future. And for each one of these um, young men and hearing these testimonies, the future is bright. They have been redeemed through Christ. I have been redeemed through Christ. My um, wife has been redeemed through Christ. And we're so excited to be able to see what God um, is getting ready to do in our lives. Um, and, and the good thing about this, it's just you don't have to have the testimony of, of what we've gone through, the drugs and alcohol. Amen? We, we all have a, a testimony. You know, all of us have um, a way that we came to know Christ. And if you don't, we'd love to be able to talk to you afterwards. Um, but we are here to be able to share about what God's doing in our lives. And so afterwards, if any of you have anybody that may be struggling with drugs or any questions or anything, we're going to be at the back table. We're going to be there to be able to share with you guys um, and, and pray, pray with you guys if you, you need us to. And so we, we really appreciate um, you giving us the time to be able to come out here today. Um, Pastor Gary, we really appreciate you and, and all you're doing um, in the community. We thank you for the church. Um, we're looking forward to a great relationship with you guys. It's been a blessing. I, I, it's great how God has used my kids and all this to be able to um, you know, forge that. Um, it's a blessing because once a month, um, Jan and, and I bring the guys to do chapel here, and it's just such a pleasure um, to be here and be able to share the gospel with the kids. Amen. So, um, Pastor Gary, thanks again. Amen.